You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. me to the Spirit of Agasha project because he uh, approached me to, to do some surfing and um, I guess he had a vision of including a female into um, recreating Morning of the Earth and there was no girl surfers in Morning of the Earth but I guess he maybe had a vision of, of myself um, sort of drawing some pure lines and and he thought that yeah I'd, I'd sort of suit the project so Andrew was the connection there and, and um, He's done an incredible job, so I'm actually honoured to be a part of it. That is, of course, the voice of Stephanie Gilmore talking about filmmaker, writer, and musician Andrew Kidman. His latest film project, Spirit of Akasha, caught my attention last year when it was released, mainly because the concept was just so interesting. I'd followed Andrew since his surf film was released uh, about 20 years ago now, actually. It was called Litmus, and I saw it when I was 16 years old, and it really challenged my paradigm of what surfing was and what it could be. For me at that time, I was basically, all of my surfing experience was based on Kelly Slater and his friends writing super thin surfboards and Taylor Steele movies. And so Kidman's Litmus showed surfers writing more foam in cold, non-tropical, harsher conditions, and it represented a more ethereal surfing experience, less competitive and much more personal, to be honest. So when I saw Andrew's name attached to this new film project, Spirit of Akasha, I was interested. And again, the concept is what hooked me. It's an homage and celebration of Albi Falzon's Morning of the Earth. Akasha is almost a shot-for-shot remake of Morning of the Earth. And not only did Kidman direct the film, but he also produced the soundtrack, which is mostly covers of the original music from the film. So it also includes this original song that you can hear playing right now, which is performed by Kidman and his band The Windy Hills. And of course, Morning of the Earth was such an important film to surfing that the idea of recreating it with modern surfers on its 40th anniversary, uh, I just think is captivating. So also kind of in this era where everyone is posting surf footage on the internet the same day that it was shot and organized surf trips have sponsors with specific marketing objectives, this type of surf film is becoming less and less common. And that's really kind of a sad thought to me. So I think we should take every opportunity to support work like Andrew's. And really that's my my objective here is just to shine a light on it. Andrew was recently traveling through California screening his film, so I linked up with him in Pismo Beach to chat about it. By the way, this is David Scales. Welcome to Surf Splendor. It came from um, 
there's, I mean, I guess, like Monty, the Earth in the 70s was a gold record in Australia, like the, the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's been with Warner Music for like the last 40 years in their catalogue, and they, they never deleted it from the catalogue and they kept putting it out. And this English guy, Tony Harlow, he was. He was running Warner, like he came out to run Warner, and he ended up doing some investigations into what it was, you know, because he he didn't understand it at all, and he realised that it was a surf film, and he realised it was a surf soundtrack, and and um, he kind of fell in love with it, like the film, the original, and and then conceptually he started thinking, well, why couldn't we do a modern version of it, you know, like record companies, you know, they have the access to the musicians and stuff like that and, and so then he approached Albie to do it and Albie said he didn't didn't want to do any he didn't want to make a film again and, and um, but he said Andrew could do it you know like so so they approached me and I was I was I was dubious especially having a big record company involved because I thought they were going to push I, I just thought they'd push the um, boundaries of who they were going to the control of sure. who they would want in it and so I kind of went back to him and said, "Well, you know, if you if you give us free reign to do what we think's right, I'll, I'll entertain the idea." And then they came back to us and said, "Look, we want you to do it because you you know what it's about." And so I and then you know Albie called me and he said, "You know, you should do it. You just just entertain what it could be. You know, mm-hmm. like see." So then I started thinking about it and I thought, "Well, yeah, okay. Well, what would I do? You know, like and um." Because that film meant so much to me, I, I um, I basically put in a proposal to them all of the ideas that I had for it. Like, I wrote a song for it based on the sort of not being inspired by Morning and Earth, but just a kind of a re- reflective song about what it was, the characters in it, and stuff like that. And and then I proposed to them a couple of ideas. There was one one of the guys in the film, Sam Ewan. He's a Korean surfer and almost your polar opposites of what what people think a surfer is you know and in what way oh well i guess the mainstream idea of what a surfer is is you know like a a professional surfer or or a big wave surfer or they sort of i mean this guy's just a cleaner you know he doesn't doesn't do it professionally at all he's a cleaner but he loves it he's a surfboard shaper he's Korean he's not right he's not not white <laughs> right you know he's um but he's also he has the spirit of it like mm. he's he, you know he's just he's the pure spirit of what surfing is I think sure know? so you know and I sort of thought you know if I propose that to him and they balk at it well then I'm, I'm not going to work with him you okay. know so because I wanted to see well that, I'm going to push it as far as where, where I, it's the only place it can go right you know because I mean Morning of the Earth had all that stuff in it so totally. if they were going to if they were going to sort of argue the point of that well then you knew you couldn't do it right. so but they, they just came back and they said that they, they loved what that was so then I and then they also said that they wouldn't get involved artistically at all, and they were prepared to sign off on that. Amazing. Yeah. Well, there was a. It's the only way you could do it. Cause sure. It could, I mean, well, just because you know the original is so sacred to our country and totally. and to surfing that the last thing you'd want to do is come out and butcher something that bastardization. Yeah, of you it. couldn't do it. I yeah. mean, it wouldn't be fair. And until their word, they um they held their word. I mean, they had. They had a couple of their bigger artists like cover some of the songs, the original songs. Sure. 
and they were terrible. And I mean, in my eyes, I didn't think that they captured the spirit of what it was, and it was. I just thought it was just like a cheap shot at it, and I said that, you know, and and they weren't that happy about it. But the, to their word, they held their, and they said it's okay. Amazing. Yeah, they yep, they didn't, you know. I mean, the, I didn't have the last word on it. Like Albie had the last word on it, you know, and you know we had a, you know, obviously there was some kind of stressful times with some of the things that were being you know supplied and if I wasn't happy with it I just send it to Albie and just say you know can you live with this you know because mm-hmm. it's your name like and and on a couple of occasions he said I'm not happy with it and okay. and they they said okay you know and they they just pulled it which is so that's that's why it's ended up being a genuine thing you know right. because it, it did come from and it, I mean what ended up happening with the whole project is like once I kind of went ahead with it, I I just opened it up to everybody else. Like I opened it up to all the musicians. I just started. I mean, one of the first persons I talked to was Will Oldham, did like mm-hmm. Bonnie Prince Billy, and um, as I knew he knew the soundtrack really well, like okay. Bonnie of the Earth. Like we talked about it for years. We talked about that soundtrack, and I knew he knew it really well. So I just went to him and asked him. I was like, well, you know, what do you think? You know, would you cover one of these songs and for a film and write it, write an original for a new film, like? And he was well into it. He said, of course, you know, I love that record and wow. that's something that I'd want to do. And just from that first conversation with him, then the whole thing was the same. Like, every everyone you talked to was the same. Yeah. You know, they all wanted to do it. And Everybody they has such reverence for the original. Exactly. You yeah. know, like, people like Andrew Van Wingarden, like, from MTMT, he was the same. He's just like, oh, I just, I just want to do it and I want to do the best thing I could ever do, you know. Like, mm. I really want to be a part of it. And it was the same with the surface. They all wanted to do it. And right. It was the same with the filmmakers because I like I threw a lot of the edits and filming over just to other filmmakers and they just went out and gave back their idea of what. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just I was like the portal putting it all together basically. And, Can know. you explain um, for the listener like conceptually what does the film look like? Um, obviously, like the soundtrack is basically covers of the original. How does the how do the visuals mirror the original? Well, okay the. I mean, it was easy for me to do because I had a blueprint. Right. Of, I mean, I had this original film, and and at the start of the whole thing, it, the original film's got no dialogue other than the songs, like the lyrics of the songs are what carries the whole movie. Right. And the visuals, so it's a pretty. You've got your blueprint, and and I had you- I also had the blueprint for editing because the way Albie edited the film, he did all these like really quite short. Um, he did these short storytelling edit edits where he would like have one he's telling a story and then he was cutting the edit through like waves and stuff like that the stories he was telling and I, did, I mimicked it because that was my job you know was to and it was and in a lot of ways it was really um super liberating because i wasn't trying to break any ground sure. with like making a new kind of style film or whatever I just had to mimic the original so there's obviously different surfers are you yep. are you going to the same locations trying to surf yeah. the same waves get the same angles all yeah. that sort of stuff all, all that sort of stuff because yeah. you know within those it was then okay let's go back to Angari and film it you right. know and and Barry Trelaw who was in the original film he's out surfing still 40 mm-hmm. years later so that's you know those kind of things are in there you know like showing him still surfing and then cutting back to like a a, a, like a crossover of the original film of him surfing like the same a little place. fade yeah, kind like of these in vignettes and out so you just can showing see. this guy still surfing right. like that sort of stuff's all in there and and but yeah the the music drives the narrative sure you know the lyrics drive the narrative um, 
and and the edits drive the narrative just like how the original was you know and mm-hmm. I and I think I mean I do think you I mean, Morning the Earth was such a beautiful film mm-hmm. you know, originally, and it was also, also as beautiful it was. There was also this sort of reverence for the world, and 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 maybe ah, uh, I mean, you sort of see, you know, there's different scenes in it where you you kind of it's making you think about stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, and it's poignant, and the lyrics are really poignant because, right. and I mean, I just tried to to make it feel like that you know so um what did you shoot it on well that was the other thing like i mean back in the day it was one albie had one camera when Mm -hmm. he shot his original we had um we had different we had so many people that had different cameras it was a really interesting time because when we first started making the film like photography had just had like a massive leap like it had gone all to the red cameras and sure slow-mo and and stuff like that and um some people had that stuff most most of the people we worked with didn't have that stuff because it was I mean the cameraman that I know and that I kind of revere we're all on the edge of being broke and we don't have access to that kind of gear so we'd like get away with whatever we can use so 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 some of it's shot in this like super high slow-mo stuff like that you that you could get up like could get a hold of and then but most of it's kind of I mean I didn't even have a camera like I was using something that was probably 10 years old that I really? shot yeah that I shot the Stephanie Gilmore stuff on and wow but I didn't think it mattered and it's actually and in the end it was it's, it's a, it was a really beautiful tapestry of um, formats because mm. you were able to just you, I mean the stuff that I shot with Steph looks like Morning of the Earth yeah I, the way I just ended up I couldn't do anything else but to make it look like that you know so right. it, it, it just might as well look like it was in one year but then it then it comes back into like a super incredible clear shot you know so right and that's in some ways it's kind of fun because mm-hmm. the whole thing just changes yeah. what well, I feel like so often now um, because young filmmakers have access to such high quality equipment yeah. they um they just rely on that to provide beautiful aesthetic and they don't really think about anything else you yeah know? yeah I mean, and we i mean we we kind of using that to our advantage too because the quality is i mean the i mean the one thing i did want to do like just knowing where cameras are gone and and um and this is kind of one of my favorite sequences in the film is um just the way this the high definition slow motion mm-hmm. had come into it i I really wanted to shoot an underwater sequence like that. You know, and we've all seen those underwater sequences, but the cameras had never got to that stage where it was just like mind-bending. Right. Know? And John Frank, like we did litmus together, like back in you know the nineties, and since then his photography is just like just it's incredible, you know. Totally. And I knew that I knew that he could shoot one of these underwater sequences with these new cameras, and it would just blow people's minds you know and where'd he shoot it well we, we went to Tahiti like uh-huh. I, I just because just because the water's so clear there and I, wa- I wanted to go to Tahiti and and realistically we just shot it on a super small day like mm. he ended up shooting it over there and and um they he went over there with the Fitzgerald's boys the mm-hmm. Terry Fitzgerald's son so there was a link there the children and and um Joel came home and he was just he rang me up and he was just fuming like he was just like it's like I don't know what you're thinking you know like John spent his whole time underwater like he never got a shot and 
and I can I kind of laugh because I mean my first my only thing was to him like that's all I want to do I just want to shoot this sequence you know right. so do what do that you know right and, and Joel was just he was really bummed and um that's funny it was funny like I kind of laughed I was like oh that's you know not he didn't obviously know but he didn't know the objective no not, I guess but he um and then John called me like the next day and I was like oh how'd you go you know and he's, John's pretty understated and he was just he said oh, I think he'd be happy I was like okay well then I you know I trust him so yeah. and then when the footage came up it was I, I mean I left literally sat there for six hours and in like I put it on and I just I watched every and it was just unbelievable like I couldn't believe it, it was like wow. a whole other universe though. right and things like little a bubble would move off the bottom of the ocean and it would come and you could just like watch it yeah and it, would, it was just amazing what the forms that it took you know sure. and for, uh, I mean just never seen a shot mm. like that before not with the slow-mo so so yeah um, among the surfers in the film mm-hmm. Stephanie Gilmore Alice Erickson Heath Josky Tom and Leanne Curran mm-hmm. Fergal Smith then there's guys like Fanning um, Kelly, you mentioned Sam Yoon. Mm-hmm. Um, what figure in the film, or which figures in the film, kind of are you most excited to showcase their personality? You know, I feel like you're right. These films, that film and Morning of the Year, your films in general are kind of character driven. Uh-huh. And even though, like you said, there isn't really dialogue, it still is very character driven, you know? And those are some unique personalities. I mean, we yeah. kind of know Kelly and Mick, but. Are there elements of their personality that we get to know differently, and you know um, which others are you excited about? I don't. I think you still see the same people they are in the film. Mm. I mean, the one thing, the one thing I did with the film is, I, I mean, we all know about those guys surf like on a modern board, so I couldn't see any point of asking them to ride their modern equipment. Sure. So, um, I mean, Kelly Kelly appears because he was just around. Like, he happened oh, okay. to be around while we were filming stuff. And he, we, we were in Hawaii. He kept t- Every time I was work- we were doing stuff with Sam, every time we were doing stuff with Sam, he would turn up. <laughs> so, it's not that he knew we were there. He just ended up being in the same spot that we were surfing. Sure. So, that's how he ended up in the movie. And But Mick was probably more of a project, same as Stephanie, like, because the original movie, all the boards were single fins. Right. So I wanted to see what these guys would surf like on single fins, you know, because it was more visual than a personality thing, I guess. But, okay. But um, not that surfing doesn't express your personality, because yeah. I think it does. But, but um, yeah, we had custom single fins made for them. Like, and Who made them? Um, Dave made Dave Parmenter made Stephanie's board which like I I've actually flew to I flew to Kauai and spent a couple of weeks with him making the board okay. like because he's you know he'd made boards for people like Raul's son and his wife and and um, I'd ridden those boards and they were incredible surfboards and I, I knew Stephanie could ride them so sure I mean it was basically you know we just put it out to people you know like we're making this project like if you guys are interested in being involved this is what we want to do like sure and we we want to push it this way you know yeah. because we want to see what you guys would do on a board like this you know yeah. And, and yeah they were into it so you know oh it would be would have been great to see spend more time with Mick and get to film more with him sure riding the boards because I really think he would have he would have taken them to a whole other level but he, he's he, doesn't, busy he, he doesn't have time yeah you totally. know he's a 
going for the world titles where Steph has a bit more time because she doesn't have as many contests and stuff True. So, but then in saying that she the stuff that we filmed to her was in the first first session yeah. that's what appears in the movie like wow. first she got she picked the board up she took it out or filmed it and that was it like I mean we ended up doing other stuff afterwards but I never used it in the movie so right and her section is is it um faded in with Michael Peterson I mean one wave oh just one wave okay. yeah well just just to just to I guess just to get the point across that that that's what we we're trying to show like mm-hmm. you know this the beauty of how beautiful she, he surfed and then how beautiful she surfs I right. guess so but um, and Mick is the same. His stuff's his stuff's actually more crossfaded with Michael. Okay. Cause it, only probably because I didn't have an I didn't have as much footage with him. Sure. And and I'll and well and the other thing I think he's probably as much as the he's probably he was writing he was writing a board that was more similar to Michael's board that he wrote. Okay. And it just the yeah, I mean and also I wanted to show how good Michael was too I wasn't comparing him right I was just showing like oh look this is what a guy looked like in the 70s surfing and this is what a guy looks like now so I just was showing the different it's just Mm -hmm. a juxtaposition it's like quite visual you know sure well the form there's a lot of overlap with the form you know like even though modern surfing has evolved a lot form is still the same basic fundamentals yeah well well that's what's kind of interesting because I think you see that the basic fundamentals have changed because the way Mick surfs and the way Michael surfed, it's it's it really is very different. Is and it? they are riding quite a similar board. So mm-hmm. you do. I mean, Mick surfing's it's probably way more radical than Michael Peterson surfing. Sure. But then Michael's got way more flow, you know. Right. So and so it's just it is quite interesting, you know. And that, yeah. and, that, and, that, and, that, and that, kind of that's what I wanted to show, you know. Like I think for me, people, it's really weird because people will come out of the film and they'll, they're all talking about Stephanie's sequence like because it is mind-blowing. Like, sure. I, to me, it's some of the most incredible surfing I've ever even seen. So they're all talking about that and but then they'll, then they'll also say, oh, well, you know, I just thought it was better than Mix and, you, and you're kind of like, that wasn't really the point. Like, I wasn't mm-hmm. trying to go, oh, look, this girl's better than this guy. I was just, it's just, you're just showing the way different people surf, you know? Right. Like, you're not judging it. Sure. So. Interesting. Yeah, well, it's interesting that people take it like that. Yeah. Because so, they want to make it competitive. I guess, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is interesting because it wasn't, it wasn't, I don't know. I guess they do. But, yeah. You know, um, wasn't the point of it, though. What is what does the release look like for the film? Is it um, digital DVD? It's everything. Everything. Yeah. yeah. The original concert in um, Australia was at the Opera House. Like they. Oh, was it? Yeah, they had it. At, they had it at the um, Sydney Opera House, and we had um, we had like probably eight bands play that night, all like that featured in the film. Like we had a full concert before the film, and then we had um, then we played. Wind Hills played opened the opening track for it, and mm-hmm. then. Xavier came on in the middle of the movie so it was a real live kind of spectacular thing to have because originally I used to show surf films in the opera house in Sydney so yeah. it closed the Sydney festival so that was okay. like that was like two years ago that that got launched and then since then it's just been it's like slowly released on different you know they did a DVD release probably I think it was about six months later because they wanted to tour it around right I went to San Sebastian did an international film festival and stuff like that so and, and it, I mean, it, and it's it's only really come out here now because we 
this is the first time we could really get it on tour, I guess. Okay. So, yeah, we're going over to Solid Sound, you know, the Wilco mm-hmm. Festival. We were going over there to... Because um, John Starratt and Pat Sanson from Autumn Defence, they, mm-hmm. they played music in the... They, okay. they covered one of the songs, so okay. we're going over there to play with them and present it like live, like a full... You know, play Sweet. Music, uh, yeah, drop all the music out of it and actually play live music over it. So. Wow. And Morning of the Earth, it's a split. Okay. It's gonna be kind of. It's gonna be like a total one-off. It's like an hour. It's a great show. concept. It is a great concept. It's just like a one-hour show, and it's kind of John's idea. So it's a one-hour show, and it's like the first part's like Morning of the Earth, and and they're playing the Autumn Defence players, and then it and it goes into a car show, and the Windy Hills play, and they they're gonna be our backing band. They're gonna help us. Awesome. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. So. I'm interested in um, the business of filmmaking, yep. and you've obviously done it for a couple decades now. Mm-hmm. How equitable is it to make a surf film? No, it's not. It's not. Can't make any money out of it. It's a little bit different scenario this time around, though, having somebody else kind of producing it and just well, giving you the free reign. Yeah, I mean, that's the first time that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I basically, like, I got a contract to to make the film. I got it, it was a year and a half. Yeah. And I got paid a wage, so. Yeah. And it wasn't a big wage. It, sure. was, it wasn't like a LA, Cali- like LA Hollywood wage. Right. It was like a basic. It was basically among uh, probably a road worker's wage. Right. To be honest, so. So it's, it's fine. Not. I mean, I like I, that's what I do anyway. So. Sure. Um, How has it changed in terms of equitability from like when you did Litmus, for example, until now? Is it more? Oh, well, Litmus, we probably made less money. Okay. <laughs> so, oh, I mean, Litmus, we never made any money. Yeah. Like. I've never made money out of it, really. Like, yeah. I mean, the, the only time I did make money out of it when I did the, the Lost in the Ether project, mm-hmm. and um, I made a, I made the film. I never put it out anywhere. I made it with a book, like a car manual almost about the movie. Sure. And um, I sold that for like eighty bucks. I made a thousand of them, and yeah. I, I made. <laughs> for my time, I probably didn't make money, but I actually did make some money back that kept me going for the, sure be able to keep doing stuff but I I mean I do a lot of other things to make money so absolutely yeah Yeah, it's just interesting how um how challenging it is you know like or how much work is involved how expensive equipment is all the travel all that sort of thing yeah that's what I was saying before about like the people I know and that we work with it's um we don't have the camera I mean I don't have cameras I'm I'm a filmmaker and I, I do not I literally don't have cameras that's crazy well, I can't. I just can't afford them. Like right. I, I, I can't afford them, and and um, a lot of the mediums that I could afford to do do it in don't work anymore. Sure. Just, just because of the programs that you need to use to make the films. So right. It's sort of, and it's a bummer, but but um, but you find a way around it. I, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. You, you do it, you know, if you've got a good idea. Yeah. It sort of doesn't matter what the film's made on, so you you can you can strip it back and. Well, that's a good segue, actually, into kind of let's reflect on Litmus. And Mm -hmm. you were editor at Waves magazine at the age of 18. You left Waves kind of to focus on Litmus. I'm curious what your objective was with making Litmus, because it seems like in hindsight, it was intentionally designed to counter what was happening in the mainstream surf culture, which was like surf punk, thin thin rocker, potato chip boards. I, I mean, it was. It was designed that way. Well, it wasn't designed, but it was. It was just. I mean, I'd spent all that time working in that surf magazine, and 
I'd seen all that stuff happen. Like, I was there for it all. Like, and I was also there when they were trying to push the fact that that was the only way you could surf, you know. Right. But, but I was also, you know, I was really good friends with Derek and I was really good friends with uh, Lynchy and and I'd spent a lot of time with those guys and I, I realised that surfing wasn't just that, you know. Like, I'd, I'd spent time in Jeffries with Derek, like, years before and he had that quiver. So I'd already seen him do all that surfing, so... And I mean, no one cared about it. It wasn't. It wasn't right. like people were going over there and oh, there's Derek Hine. That's crazy. Like no one, no one cared about yeah. it. You know, like I would. I just happened to be there because just like I was friends with Derek, so I, I saw. You know, and it just it was interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just more interesting. You know, like I mean, I, I I was interested in the performance aspects of surfing too but I just didn't find that it just was kind of boring so I mean there's only one place to go with it and that's just trying to become a performance orientated surfer to win contests right and and I just it was kind of a myopic thing I thought sure you know whereas people like Derek or Wayne Lynch or um, or the travelling aspects of surfing that you know this is this is before the internet Mm -hmm. so is, this is when you're still looking at a map you know like, right. and you were thinking I'm in Ireland we were thinking could swell get through there from the swells we knew that were coming through Iceland that's all we thought we were looking at a map you know right. so it wasn't we didn't know you know and right so and, and that was fascinating you know like but now it's, things have changed so much because of the internet like you can just it's every, every all the information's there now absolutely so, yeah. but back then it wasn't there so was exciting and and um yeah let it was definitely i mean john frank felt the same way like i was work, john and i were working at the magazine together sure and we both felt the same way we, we rode single fins back then that's what we were doing so we were into that that's what we like to ride and our surfing was fun <laughs> yeah we, we enjoyed ourselves and and um it's interesting like that experience at the magazine seems to have propelled you almost in an opposite direction than where the magazine was directed right you know i was running the magazine so so you're trying to incorporate derek and stuff like that oh yeah that's that's what was happening yeah. i mean like i've said it before but it kind of came from steve pesman i reckon oh really i, I think so because he, he when he started the surface journal like i kind of knew steve and he's when he first started that surface journal that first magazine came through with len hamilton and mm-hmm on the cover and just just the just the reverence for for culture and history and in that magazine I, I was like yeah that's that's what surfing is you right. know and that's what surfing felt like to me so yeah. it, you knew it was richer than where it was heading so mm-hmm. and it's not that's not to say that you got to look back all the time it's just to actually I mean with all these boards or whatever we make it's like you're actually looking forward with them because you're sure. trying to make these boards work as you get older and stuff so and that's what Derek and Wayne were doing they were you know they were in their early 40s and they were they were trying to make surfboards work for themselves right so they could continue surfing as radically as they'd ever had so right. you know Derek was going to Jeffries to do that and you know Wayne was doing it down the coast and Victoria and yeah I think Pesman had a lot to do with it to be honest when you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. 
your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Um, I mean, it was, he was super inspiring to think that, yeah, you can go and you can do something as complex as what he was doing because that was pretty complex, that, those sure. original service journals. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. So. Um, in terms of filmmaking and absorbing the, the medium, like, what do you think the ideal environment is? I think you just described a pretty fantastic example of doing like the live soundtrack you mm -hmm. know in a kind of community environment like that yep. now 99% of surf films are consumed probably on a laptop or a, yep. even a cell phone probably yeah. we did a show in Hammer Hall down in Melbourne and we got to we got to fully play the whole soundtrack live with, mm -hmm. with uh, probably four or five of the original people that did the music for it and people came out of those couldn't believe it like they just could not believe that the music first of all the music was being played underneath the thing and then they were so visually taken by the film that it just it, it's quite an incredible thing to do so and it's fun like it's super fun because sure. a lot of I mean it, you script it obviously you know the songs are going to work for the different sequences but then there's points in it where you just look up and you'll just know that you can do something musically that'll land yeah with the footage you know so you it's sort of you know it's it's fully jamming you know yeah and, and it's great it's, it's it's an it is i mean that's what how i think that, that the art should be presented if people want to watch it on their iPhone, that's their problem, you know. Like sure. It, I mean, it's like listening to music on your iPhone. It sounds like shit. And sure. Whatever. I, I, Better than nothing, though. Yeah, well, that's where it gets to. You exactly. Know, it's about, you know, I mean, I'd pr probably prefer not to listen to anything. That, sure. That just, it so, sounds so bad, but, I mean, Neil Young would probably say the same thing. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. been the big proponent of that. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm sort of the same. I mean, that's why... I've, I mean, that's why I want to take it to the extent of like, yeah, that's how it's got to be presented because sure. because that's that's the best experience anyone's going to get from it. Mm -hmm. So I just feel there's a it's a loss for people. Like kids, kids they grow up today and they're not even going to know what what sound sounded like, you know. Mm -hmm. And that 
that's kind of sad, I reckon. You know, to think that it's only coming out of this tiny little speaker and a device. I mean, it works, but yeah. But it, I think it's it's kind of I do. I mean, it's not an old man talking. It's just like that's a that's a person like having heard how good something does sound. You know, through yeah. good speakers or on on vinyl or on mm-hmm. tape. You know, like you, it's just something about it. I mean, those guys, people spent millions of dollars trying to get that technology to work and it worked beautifully and it probably and but now it's gone the other way just for commerce you know? right so it's pretty it's quite disappointing actually but yeah so with your music um do you have fans that have no awareness of your surfing career and filmmaking and that sort of thing um i think so i mean it's probably not I mean, most people probably know that it comes from the surf genre. Sure. I mean, I'm so surf centric; it's yeah, tied right. together for me. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, I've struggled with that too because you know you've gone to try to get your music out there. I mean, our music—I wouldn't say our music surf music. Like the wind, no. the, the windy hills. No. It, and I don't think it ever sound. It doesn't sound like any kind of genre of surf music. So it's kind of it's a hard one because you you know over the years you've tried to go and get it played just on the on its own merits mm-hmm. and you get put in that category oh you guys must be a surf band but, sure. but it doesn't sound like that you know I, I think that's what was kind of cool with the um the wilco guys they were like they heard it and they were like oh wow this is legitimate yeah music you know you mm-hmm. guys can really it's some other level of music playing so that 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 was nice yeah that's know? very cool yeah well i mean that's I mean, everyone in our band spent their whole lives committed to playing music, playing music, and making it as good as you can make it. So sure. To, 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 and but then you get stuck, you get pigeonholed. Yeah, you know? totally. And, and in one way, in some ways, that's good because people within the surf community know who you are and you mm-hmm. get an audience. But it's hard to get into that next level. To be taken seriously on its a little, own merit. Yeah, it yeah. is. It has been. And, sure. um, but then doing something like the Sakasha Project. You know, all those people saw that, you yeah. know, and they heard it, and, they, you know, they, you know it's, it's genuine. Yeah. So. Let's talk a little bit about shaping boards. Yeah. Um, Probably should talk to Dave. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, you should, man. Like, I, you, I'll, you should pin him, man. He's the best. Yeah, no, I'll get him later. Um, he, he, not now, but... No, no, no. No, but ask him if you do it, because he's legendary. Yeah, I will, for sure. Yeah. Um, so when did you get involved in shaping boards you obviously have access to some legends you know and you're friends with just from a kid like i started when i was a kid really yeah okay i mean i shaped my first board when i was 15 with with my next door neighbor just because my dad was like he wouldn't let us ride fiberglass surfboards he thought they were too dangerous so we had to we just grew up riding these foamy boards and this wasn't like the soft top revolution. This is when, like, if you were on the foam, you were a kook, basically. Right. So I was, I was getting pretty much pizzled, like mm-hmm. regularly at school because everyone else had the five glasses, whatever. And, and then for my fifteenth birthday, he sort of said, you know, you, I'll, you can have a fiberglass board, but you have to shape it yourself, like for whatever. I don't, know, you know, I, he just was hardcore. Make I guess. you work for it. <laughs> well, he just wanted to see me do something more than just yeah. go into a surf shop and buy a shitty surfboard, I guess. Sure. So so we went and bought the blank and and the, and the resin and the glass and, and my next door neighbor helped me do it we, we I, I photocopied a, a surfboard out of like because i used to have all these little surfboards in the magazines and i photocopied one of the plan shapes out of the 
mag and I blew it up on the photocopier to get the template. No way. Because well, I didn't know, at that stage of my surfing life, I didn't know shapers, you know, right. like you were just a kid. So yeah, I blew it up on the photocopier just to get the um, template and, that, and that's how I made In- the first one. Incredible. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> I stuck them all together. I remember, like, I kind of snuck into school, the school library and did it. You okay. Because, I, I mean, I had this, I had hundreds of pieces, hundreds of pieces of paper just, cause I, just to get it big enough, you know. Yeah, I was like thinking. I, well, I just kept blowing it up until I got the curve. Okay. So. That's pretty, um, it takes a lot of ingenuity to put that well, together. Well, it took a lot of, it took a lot of my mate, <laughs> my mate going, there's no one there, go. <laughs> like, <laughs> quick. And it was, I was a like, team effort. Yeah, I was just like, just like, quick, quick, blowing, 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 just to get it up to the, well, you knew that you wanted it. I yeah. think it was five tens. So you, you had to get a certain part of it. You mm-hmm. know, what we're in set like thirty centimeters or what. You had to get the rail. Sure. So that was fun. Like, but yeah, I started there, and and then um, after that, because of Simon Anderson, like he was a good friend of mine. And I just, I just did him, him and Terry Fitzgerald. I used to just hang out with them and watch them shape. Always, they always let me stand in the corner and. Yeah. And just, you know, I was just around it. And then Dave Parman, it was just, I used to come up here all the time. I to like, come travel over here in my early 20s and spend time with Dave and the mm-hmm. Shaping Bay. And he he was always encouraging of it, He, you know, to the point where, because I always wrote his boards. Yeah. But to the point where he um, stopped, he stopped shaping them for me. He said, I'm not shaping your boards anymore. So, just. You, because he wants because you should you to be doing it yourself. Got it. You know, and I was I was shaping, but he was wanted to encourage me to do it more. Interesting. And yeah, and he just said, "No, you you're on your own now." So it's like letting a bird free, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, but and by that stage, I had I mean I just had all the knowledge, I guess, because I'd I'd been standing in those corners for well, so long, are, you know. Like, those are some pretty good corners to be standing in. Yeah. I mean. Well, and also I knew what I wanted to shape. That was like I knew how I wanted to surf. Yeah. And I knew what I wanted to shape, and I, it was only for me. I wasn't doing them for right. other people. So. Well, have yeah. you ever since then been building yeah. boards for anybody yeah, else? Yeah, I shape boards for people, but it's just custom. It's not just friends, basically. It's friends, or it's people that. I mean, I only shape what I ride. I don't, I don't go outside of that just because. I feel I only feel comfortable that I know that design. Yeah. So, and and that's what I'm. And I know I know it works for me. So yeah. if someone wants one, I can do that. And, but it's all you know. It all comes from Simon's curves and Dave's curves and Skip Fry's curves. It's all from those guys. Cause sure. They, I mean, they gave me the templates. You know, like Skip gave me his templates and Dave gave me his templates. And it's, so that, I'm just I'm I'm just doing. It's all just you know. It's just passed on, and that's how it should be. Like well, that's what surfing is. you're absolutely right and you say it very casually um but how do you have access to those guys you said early on you're friends with derek or uh yeah derek and wayne lynch and simon anderson i don't know just via proximity you're surfing the same beaches or i've just been around i mean i haven't done anything else in my life i guess yeah like that's all i've ever done yeah and then you know maybe it comes from like i was when I was a little kid, I was doing work experience at a surf mag. You know, I was 15. I'm doing work experience. I'm, you're meeting these people already. They, just, I don't know. They, they and I'm, all those hardcore guys, they kind of know each other too. They like do. They, yeah. they all know each other, and it's like, and so they end up knowing you because you're, you know, like, it's like Skippy. I met Skippy when I was 
15, like in Australia, he he was staying with my he was staying with my best friend's dad mm. out there, and so I met him when I was a kid. Okay, and I'm and I'm, we've been friends ever since. You know, like when I come to California, I was just with him last week, and yeah, it's just well, I don't know, I, I'm lucky. <laughs> it, yeah. It's funny though. I mean, you're right in that um, the tradition should be passed down and handed, you know, to yep. those who are interested. But I don't feel like that really takes place as much nowadays. Or maybe I'm from Orange County. It doesn't take place in Orange County where shaping shapers are more competitive and they're right. more proprietary and they don't want to share secrets, you know? Right. So I think that you came along kind of at a lucky time or the right time and certainly with the right people too. All those guys that you yeah. just named I mean, are pretty... I mean, it comes from... I mean, Dave... I mean, Palmer I've never known anything else but that. Right. You know, like when, when I... When I was young and surfing, like up here, he was just all about giving, you know. Right. And and maybe that's that a low, true aloha spirit, like what he probably learnt in the islands. I don't know, but that was always his idea. I was like, no, it's giving. Sure. And and I mean, we were in New York, like I was there ten years ago in New York, like and it's like New York's such a strange place, but people love surfing, you know. And these yeah. guys wanted to shape a board, and Dave's like. Sure, I'll send the templates over, and he made up a bunch of templates for him, and he sent them over, and and now just because he wanted them to have have them, yeah. You know, and that that's Wh- spirit, that? yeah. I mean, that really, that's just, I mean, that's always, and it's the same in the water. It's just, just sharing. It's totally. like that's what surfing should be. I agree. So, I mean, that's what I mean. That's what the Duke wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. That was what made it so good. You totally. Know? So, that where it's got now. I, it's kind of weird. I mean, it's almost gone the opposite to that, you know. So, do you have any interest at all in competitive surfing? Like the oh, Fiji, yeah, for, Fiji for, Pro for just sure. ended. Yeah. Did you watch all that stuff? Well, we had shows on, so yeah. It's kind of funny because we did a show at the La Paloma, and like usually when we do the local La Paloma down in Encinitas, it's like a really good turnout and. You know, I've done it there for years, you know, like last 10 years I've done shows there or what, whatever and um, it's a great turnout and then this, this like 100 people turned up and I was like, it's kind of weird, you know, I, just, I was like, I wonder what happened, you know, like because we've got the word out, like yeah. people said they were coming and I was just thinking, I wonder what's going on, you know, and I, I got home from the show and I realised, oh, the surf contest was on and like everyone was watching that, it was, you know, Dane Reynolds and Kelly Slater and they right. were all, I, I realised, I was like, oh, right, <laughs> You know, and I, and I, but you know, and I'm not. You got to try to work this stuff out. I was like, oh, okay, that's fair enough, you know. Right. And then the next night we did it at Mollusk, and and um, it was just hilarious, you know. Like I walked in and like there was to do the show, and I could just see like four guys like sitting around the computer, and I, yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, who's winning, you know? Like, <laughs> and they kind of looked up, like, oh, we've been caught watching the contest or whatever, you know? Yeah. And like, but they were straight onto it, you know. And I said, ah, oh, it's cool. I was like, oh. yeah. And then we were supposed to go on that night at like 7.30 and, but Dane Reynolds went out into the water for his heat and they were kind of like oh, you could see him kind of right uh, I was like why don't we just go in in half an hour and you guys can watch that heat and they were like yeah that's a great idea perfect you know? so, do but, you have any interest in watching it though? it's I I sort of it's interesting watching them in shitty waves okay just because it's interesting to see what the boards are doing and how how they can do that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, the perfect waves. If it's big, it's kind of cool. But, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I I watch it. Okay. You know, it's fun. Yeah. You know, I watch it with my son. Like yeah. He, he, 
he likes to shoot um, his pop gun at them when they're on mm-hmm. the waves. Like, <laughs> see if he can like get nail them as they go along That's the wave. That's funny. Yeah, it is. It's really funny. So he has. No, but it, I mean, it's not gonna. If put if the surf if the surf's good, I'm not watching it. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, or if I've got something else to do, I'm not watching it. But if I've got you know afternoon off or whatever else, I'll, I'll watch some of it. Sure. Know, or we'll go back and watch a replay of it or stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like as the filmmaking and media in general has just changed and become so much more immediate, mm-hmm. your style of film has kind of remained the same as it always was, where it takes a lot of labor, takes a lot of time, and even the release and distribution specifically with this film has taken a lot mm-hmm. long time, you know? Are your... Um, how do you feel about the change? And do you have concerns about it, or... Uh, do you feel a need to adapt to the modern medium at all? Or be a part of Instagram uh, or any of that well, stuff? I'm on Instagram. I mean, Stephanie told me, you got to get on Instagram. She was like, yeah. she said, you got to get on there, Andrew. You know, like, it's fun. And it, well, it's fun, but I'm, I'm I mean, more it is curious. Fun. It is fun. I mean, I, I, I'm on it. and I, I mean, I like I like it because it's, um, you can put cryptic stuff up that some people get. And then they'll get back to you with a comment that you know that you're like, oh, that person got that. They you know? caught the reference. No, it's fun. Like yeah. that stuff to me is really fun. It's just like these. We used to do it in the magazines. We used to put cryptic shit in the magazines all the mm-hmm. time that to see what people would get, you sure. know. And that was what made it fun, you yeah. know, like because some people could tap into that humor or or um, board knowledge or whatever it is and get back, you know, they get back to you like and. And then you know that you got a like-minded person there, you know, right. and then other other folk goes straight over their head, you know, and that's cool too. Like, sure. So that I, I enjoy that part of it, and then I also enjoy the part that there's this whole community out there of friends that I have that you can you just you can see what they're doing. Yeah. You know, like I, I love that part of it. So. How does it relate to your business and like promoting oh, I, your I, some part your of art? I, I, yeah, I don't really like that part of it, but it's but it's I think it's a necessary evil. Yeah. I mean like that you know, the show got cancelled last night and it's like, yeah, you gotta let everybody know, well that's the best way to do it. Absolutely. So and you know, that that's probably boring for some people, but I do see how you, that you have to do it. Like I much prefer the fun posts where you do something funny or mm-hmm. have fun with it or but I see it working both ways. Sure. So, and that, and it's kinda cool, you know. Like yeah. So I mean, there's making film, making like short films for the internet. I, I got no interest in doing that. Like, it's just you know, I mean, making film clips around music, it, it's tedious. Sure. You know, it's a tedious thing. It ends up on the internet. It's not how you want. It's not really how you want your music to be seen. It's kind of or heard. Yeah. So. Well, well, let me ask it this way. Um, at that concert you guys are putting together mm-hmm. with the live soundtrack, let's say you have 200 people who yep. get to experience that. Yep. Whereas if you put it on the internet and maybe you get a couple hundred thousand people yep. who get to experience it that mm-hmm. way. How do you feel about that exchange? Would you rather have the 200 in the pure experience or the 200,000? Well, it's not, it's not really up to me. Like, It's not my experience of it. So it's like, I mean, I'm happy with the people that get to experience it live because it's, I mean, it's like me going to a live concert. You know, I love being there and seeing that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would much rather do that than watch it online. You know? Absolutely. But, in all honesty, like, I mean, I can't, I can't get to a Radiohead concert and 
watch it you know so right. to have that broadcast properly like that's incredible like, you know that's at least you get to see it sure uh, so I mean, it's all valid like, yeah I can't I don't dismiss any of it but whether I've got the time to do it to orchestrate it you know yeah. like I, I, I wish that that the original concert that we did at the Opera House was filmed properly and we had right. the opportunity to do that to film it properly and have like 10 cameras film the whole thing but the but the record company decided that they didn't want to invest I think it was going to cost like 30 grand to do it and they decided they didn't want to invest the 30 grand in it and then the next day afterwards the the guy came up to me so I wish we had filmed it oh really well because it was incredible yeah like the bands were mind blowing like yeah. group love was just incredible and it's never going to happen again right so yeah. they could have done this incredible edit including the new footage and you would have had this just amazing concert you right. know so and that would have been a total experience if someone had watched it online you would have yeah. been like because you could have you could have done an edit where you fully crossed the mm-hmm. the film with that you know and you would have had this whole other thing so you would have been able to capture what it feels like to be there sure so, and, that, and that's worthy I think totally so, um, what's next for you in terms of projects do you have anything new that you're working on um, I do have something I'm working on in my head like, oh okay yeah that I'm super super um, jazzed about I reckon like it's something and um, film I, project yeah it's going to be a film project definitely it's going to be a music project definitely and and um it's going to be like a shitload of work to do it, but but um, I just I definitely think it's worth it, and I'm, I'm, I haven't been excited about anything for a while, but okay. I bet it, this excites me a lot. Excellent. Because it's it's going to be hard to do, so. Okay. You know, and it might not even come off. Like that's kind of what that's where, which is they're the best ones, I think. You know, like yeah. it'll come off in some form, but if we can get it to where we're really happy with it, it'll be. Okay. So I can't even say much more than that cause, no, because it's nowhere, you know. Like sure. It's, it's just, it's just. I've had a couple of discussions with people since I've been here, and it's stuff that we've actually been all working on together, like in the last sort of ten years, but we've never been able to get it any further. But okay. it almost seems like the time. It's it's time to get it's try, try to take it there. Yeah. Sweet. So. Um, a couple of closing questions for you. It's just, what's your current relationship like with surfing? How often do you surf and all that jazz? Oh, it's same as it's ever been. I, I love it, you know. Same, same. I mean, just then, it's just, it's just every, it's, it's everything really. Like How many I, waves did you catch today? Well, I, I don't usually <laughs> count them, but like Dave was going on about this GPS bullshit that he's got with yeah. the, the phones and all that crap, and I was like, dude, I can do that with a piece of wax. So. <laughs> So what was your count? It was uh, 37, so... Sweet. Well, it's funny because since we've been... Like, we don't really longboard at home because the waves are kind of better than that. So, uh, But since we've been here, we've just been longboarding pretty Mm -hmm. much every day. And you catch so many waves longboarding. So so, uh, since me and Marty, the guy I'm touring with, since we've been here, it's just like, wow, I think I caught like 40 waves that session. So it's like we're... Like, I think we're at like... you start like adding them up and you yeah, realize absolutely. you know we've probably almost caught like 150 waves since we've been in california like well i mean the waves have all been like that big yeah exactly <laughs> but it's like but it's great i mean but i mean that's seven of those is pretty good well every one of them was kind of exciting you know so. dude that's way more than i got today yeah well, i wasn't I riding think it, a longboard. i don't think it, it's you know i'm not being competitive with 
they have any waves I'm catching I'm just kind of I'm just stoked no like it's I'm, funny I'm just stoked it was funny that when I asked did you guys get any waves you're like yeah, yeah 37 yeah, th- well because that was well Palmer I, I, I like well t- see Terry Fitzgerald he he counts every wave he's ever caught really yeah he puts this little tiny piece of every time he catches it, he puts a tiny little bit of wax up in the nose when he catches it like a little ball really and then he records it he he um He's got a little calendar at home and he just writes, you know, 20 or 16 or whatever it is, like, that he caught. That's fascinating. It is. And he's got these years of diaries where he's done it. And, I mean, I know he does it because I've seen the little wax yeah. balls or whatever. And he's, I've, you know. Wow. But, but um, I've never done it. But today, no. the day I did it because he's going on with GPS stuff. And I was, sure. I was like, well, I can kind of tell you that stuff too without having it in GPS. But stuff. it takes kind of an engineer mindset for Terry to even, like, yeah, want to do that? You yeah. Know? Well, he just—it's just something. That's his relationship with surfing. Like sure. Skip, Skip's the same. Like Skip, he doesn't have the wave count, but he's—he's got—he's kept years of calendars where he's written down what the surf was like. And right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like that. No, I'm not like that at like, all. I'm, I'm just a—I just go surfing when I can with my fam- with my kids, or my wife, or. I want to go surfing to not keep track of things, to like let go of yeah, things. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm the same. I'm just yeah. want to get down, surf, have, 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 have fun, yeah. ride the right board for the day. You know, like that's that's what I like about it. Well, just that pick, picking that wave board that'll work. Yeah, and that's perfect segue to final question for everybody, yeah. which is just what's the last surfboard that you rode? Well, the Palmino, Dave Palmino. Tell me tradi- about it. Traditional log. Yes, traditional log. What, like he, what length? I, I got no idea. You'd have to ask him. It was okay. pretty long, heavy. Like, yeah. It's the same. I mean, they're the kind of long boards I like riding because that's all I've ever ridden. Because yeah. I've got one. At, I've got one at home. Not, not, I don't ride them very often, but I do have one at home. And you ride. That's you will ride at Christmas or something. You because they're a pain in the ass to get in the beach. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, get them in the car and they're so heavy and you pull them yeah. out. So it's sort of. I, I prefer to ride. Um, I got long fishes that uh-huh. skips long fishes, and I'd rather ride those things. So, but yeah, I think it. The single fin. How 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 heavy was that board, Dave? That we were riding today. Yours was ten. Ten foot. Yeah. The the green one. Yeah. Mine's ten six. Okay, ten. Ten, ten foot. Ten foot single like, fin. How heavy? How heavy was it? You reckon? Um, seventeen or eighteen pounds. Yeah. yeah 17, se- 17, pounds. 17, 18 pounds. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big board. Yeah, but it goes great. I yeah, mean, that's totally. A, I mean, that's beauty. Like surfs one foot. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, almost, it's more almost like it's not even. It's hard to even call it surfing. It's almost just like ocean. You know, you're just traversing the ocean. It's almost like that that telemark skiing. You know, and yeah, they, you know, people do that. Yeah, and they, and they just cross. You know, just, get to places you know ocean so. appreciation vehicle or something you yeah, know? I know you just you look at it and you go i could i could ride that board today yeah like, so totally yeah i like all of it though like it's just as fun tube riding or yeah doing that whatever right on it's been out there looking at the birds mm-hmm. like we saw a, we saw a little um otter we saw a sea otter he was clapping himself and we saw the pe- pelicans bombing the fish it was awesome well so. in your interview i watched um that you did with corduroy right you were talking you mentioned that the pursuit of the perfect wave is kind of futile just because once you attain yeah. that goal where yeah. do you go next you know yeah. and i found that to be particularly res- resonant for me especially kind of in my 30s where 
in my 20s it was kind of defined by goal setting and achieving right. goals you know right. and now in my 30s i'm just like dude if i can just get in the sun yeah. get a little cold water on my body like yeah. i'm happy yeah. i don't need to surf right. the best session i've surfed yeah i think you find that as you get older like you just exactly you yeah. just i mean i've kind of found that i was lucky to when i was super young i went up and surfed in the mentors like for crowding and all that and I was bored. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's like, funny. Yeah, I mean the surf is perfect, but it was just like, yeah, whatever. Like, hmm. I mean, how many of these things do I really need? Like, right. Like, interesting. And it, it wasn't that it wasn't fulfilling. It was just kind of it's like gorging on too much food or something, you know, or taking too much ecstasy. It just like just yeah. didn't feel like anything, you know. Right. So yeah, I guess that's what I was talking about there. When I, yeah. Excellent. I just like going out there, whatever it's like. So mm-hmm. just you see it in your kids, though. I reckon they go down to the water, and it doesn't matter what it's like; they're just like screaming, totally. Like, you know, <laughs> getting bowled over by like short breaks. They're yeah. coming up and they're screaming and they're yelling and they're throwing sand at each other. And it's, it's a good reminder. Yeah, well, that's where you got to be at so, to to have happiness, I guess. Totally. Right on. Cool. Well, man. Thank you. Thank you. andrewkidman.com is his website that's where you can purchase spirit of akasha and of course litmus and the soundtracks and i also recommend andrew's books if you haven't ever seen those Um, he's produced a few really beautifully crafted coffee table style books so definitely look into those we will also have links to all of those things and trailers of his films on surfsplendorpodcast.com you can leave a comment about today's show and be sure to pilfer our archives where we have 95 past episodes available for free also andrew's band the windy hills provided the music for the intro and the outro of today's show we have links to their work on surfsplendorpodcast.com This is David Scales for Surf Splendor, thanking you for listening. I'll see you next week. Until then, shred on.